0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Daily Thread. We are so happy to be here. Thank you for joining. And, of course, a big thank you to our friends at Sensible Marketing. Jeremy, Ron, and Shimmy, the best people in nursing home marketing. As my father nods his head and he just – you're wondering what what does a marketing company do for nursing homes, right? I, I told you. I know what a marketing company does nursing homes. They market nursing homes. They make sure that the residents are finding them and, and through different programs like virtual tours. Listen, they do a very good job and that's why if you're in the nursing home field, you know about Sensible and you need to reach out right. to Sensible. So that's why you should head to sensiblemarketing.com. Absolutely. Um, okay. So before we, we came on live over here, we were discussing how uh, a new poll shows that Americans do not like <clears throat> Donald Trump nor do they like Joe Biden.
1: Mm-hmm. They don't like
0: any of them. Um Not shocking. I think that there's been so much drama that has been so not presidential over the last few years when it comes to these uh, candidates that people are just done. They just want to move on. Well, let me. I have to tell you, I don't
1: mean to promote myself, but I wrote an editorial about it. I wrote an editorial about it this week, this morning, uh, called Thoughts on Trump. It'll start on the front page in my uh, editorial column in this week's Five Town Jewish Times which can be accessed, of course, physically through the newspaper or uh, online, if you prefer, at 5TJT.com. Not that I'm promoting it. Not that you're <clears> promoting <throat> it or anything. No, no God that, forbid. That, no, that's not my, my cover. That's not my intent. I'm just saying, Derech Agav. I'm just saying, by the way, just for the purposes of proper context. Psh, uh, derech Agav. I'm just, I'm just telling you this. I happens to be, you know – uh, thoughts about uh, about uh, about Donald Trump. You know, he's being he he's being booked today, so to speak, in Miami. I'm talking to you from uh, Palm Beach County, not too far from Mar-a-Lago. I'm not stationed here in Mar-a-Lago, but I'm a few miles away from uh, Trump's home uh, in Palm Beach County, uh, as I as I mentioned to you. And you know, recently there was a clip, I think, on the uh, News World News where uh, Trump was playing golf. And uh, he said to some guys that looked like from guys playing golf, and he called out to them, "Hey, you remember I gave you the Golden Heights? Remember, remember that, uh, <laughs> remember that video? You know, he, you know the Golden Heights is very important. You know, but he doesn't understand how um, low on the priority it is for Jewish. He I'm saying after all these years." Uh, including his uh, daughter's conversion to Judaism, and his from uh, son-in-law, Jared Kushner. He doesn't understand the dynamics of the Jewish community and how it works. It's, uh, it's, very, it's very complex. But that's just the Jewish community.
0: Why would he? I mean, I know, I know he has a from son-in-law, but he himself, for a majority of his life, has been very removed. From the Jewish community. There's no reason to think that he would know the intricacies of what goes on in our heads and the way we but, think. But
1: you would think, after four years of president, you'd understand and surrounding himself with so many Jews, and a lot of from Jews, by the way, who are in advisory capacities, you would understand that no matter what happens, even if he runs against Kamala Harris in 2024, she's going to get 70% of the vote, of the Jewish vote. You know, she may not win, she may not win the election if he's, a, if he's the candidate. So there's really a couple of things going on. I think America is going through a very serious uh, transition, a generational transition. Here you have eighty-year-old President Joe Biden, who clearly is uh, deteriorating, I think, before our very eyes, uh, in terms of his uh, uh, emotional and mental competence. Uh, and uh, and and you have Trump, who's doing it, and it's not his fault. They're putting him through the ringer for one reason: they're afraid that he's going to win. They are, the Democrats are afraid of Donald Trump, and that's why they are trying everything, indicting him for having uh, intel, uh, high, high, uh, top secret uh, uh, documentation in, in his home, uh, getting involved in paying off people for not to uh, talk. Now they're going to indict him. If this doesn't work, they're going to indict him for trying to uh, uh, dummy up uh, votes uh, in, in Georgia.
0: He said that every time his plane flies over a blue state, he, he he receives a a subpoena.
1: Yeah, listen, you know what? But you can't you can't buy the kind of publicity, publicity that he's getting. You know, it's Fair not no. good. It's not, it's not good for the other. Uh, and here you have a guy that entered the race who has no chance of winning. The former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, he has one job in the Republican primaries to try to destroy Trump. You know, and at the same time. He, uh, he was a, a prester guy, you know, because he wasn't in politics. He was in show business. Yeah. He was in private life. If he was like Joe Biden in, in the Congress since he was 27 years old, he would conduct himself differently. He never expected to be in politics. He never expected to win the 2016 election against uh, Hillary Clinton. But the fact of the matter is he won. The fact of the matter is he was president. And the president's entitled, not entitled. You could get eight years. You could be elected twice. But, uh, they are so, the Democrats are so scared that uh, he's going to, uh, win. And, you know, chances are that, uh, after 2024, there's going to be a bigger majority of the Republicans in the House of Representatives and even possibly a majority in the, in the Senate of Republicans. The Democrats are finished for, gener- for a generation, for, for m- maybe more yeah. than that. And like I said to you before we went on the air, you know, you're talking about neither is popular. Years ago, Bibi Netanyahu, who was who was born in Israel, of course, but was educated in the United States of America, he said that if he would run for president of the United States, he would probably win. Because he's more popular, or at least was at that time more popular. They're also putting him through the ring in Israel, by the way, trying to get him yeah. out of office.
0: By the way, I saw, I saw um, a story that was broke uh, broke by Balaz News. Um, they attained an exclusive screenshot from a WhatsApp a WhatsApp exchange. I'll just read the tweet. It says, Balaz Scoop, yesterday Israel news outlets revealed that leaked WhatsApp messages from anti-Netanyahu protesters, including former Prime Ministers Barak and Olmert, show they are funded to overthrow the right-wing government. Balaz News has now obtained an exclusive screenshot of a WhatsApp conversation in English where former PM Ehud Barak confirms the news but claims it will not affect their anti-Netanyahu campaign. Barak also admitted that their motive was not the justice reform, but only to remove Netanyahu from power. So I'll put the screenshot on the screen. It, it basically goes on. It, there's a, I don't know who the conversation is between, but it says it's with Ehud Barak. The profile picture is Ehud Barak. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were asking sort of – someone was asking him how this news leaked to the public and how they're being exposed. And he had said that it's just a human mistake. Uh, the, the administrator of the chat allowed an extra person to be on it. And then the person asked, does this hurt our position, um, that we're not focused on just overthrowing Netanyahu over judicial reform? He said no. And the person then asked again, the fact that they, they see now that it's not about judicial reform, he said it doesn't matter. So they're, they're, you know, their agenda is to get Netanyahu out of power. Um, but Israeli politics is a totally different beast, one in which I don't want to get into now. I want to get into a different story, and that is last night the Denver Nuggets were crowned the – NBA champions, the first time in franchise history that the Denver Nuggets have won a championship. And um Do you know an interesting...
1: anybody do you know anybody that's important to? That the Denver Nuggets are the champions of the NBA I didn't even know they were still playing, to tell you the truth. So that's what the NBA... Are you serious? I thought the season ended after uh what's his name? Uh Julius Randle finished showering after the last game. That was the first round of the playoffs. did the season end after the Knicks leave?
0: No. Um an interesting, story, you know, like sub story over here is the owner of the Nuggets, yeah, um, Stan Stan Kroenke. He won. He is the owner of the Rams. He is the owner of the Avalanche, and he's the owner of the Nuggets. The Rams, the Avalanche, the Nuggets have all won championships within the last couple of years.
1: Did so, he go? To, did he go to yeshiva? What yeshiva did he go to? You think he's Jewish? Stan Kroenke. How do you spell it?
0: K R K R O E N K E. I don't know. I don't if it's know. Especially unless it was Kronkovich. Maybe, maybe it was Kronkovich.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I thought that's maybe why you're bringing it up uh, because he went to yeshiva somewhere, you know. So, but uh, yeah. So all his teams won. You saying that? It all of his teams won. I think Kronke is a German is a German name. Could be. It could be. We will to we'll have to look it up. I'm not going to do it right now because you get upset at me. But oh wait, wait wait
0: wait. H dot com H dot com <laughs> says yeah. uh, no this is a different story. This is saying wow. that Robert Kraft is Jewish and Yeah, we know that and the, and the owner of the and the owner of the Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank from the Falcons is also Jewish.
1: We talked about okay. Robert Kraft. We talked about Robert Kraft last week. I think I mentioned I saw him by United you Nutsal, know? didn't uh, he spoke there. And let me ask you spoke. a question:
0: a guy like a guy like Robert Kraft, who knows his Haftorah by heart at this age, how come he yeah. never live life as a as a how can he let never live life as a from Jew?
1: You know, Natalie, this is a long conversation, and I'm watching the clock. And um, I have to tell you that um, I had a guy work for me. I'm not going to say his name. He retired a couple of years ago. He was a salesman for the newspaper. He was a Reform Jew. Okay, he belonged to a Reform temple. Uh, in Merrick, uh, New York, uh, not not too far from the five times. And you know what? He didn't see me on a higher religious level than him. He was a good reformed Jew, and that's all he ever knew his whole life. And he respected the fact that I was an Orthodox Jew. I put Phil on with him a couple of times, but that was it. Because reformed Jews, most of them anyway that I know, it's not, it's not in their purview. It's not in their daily... Habit—that's not what they are taught. So they go to temple, you know. They go to services. They drive to the services. Uh, they sit together with their with their wives or their children or whoever, and the, and we look at it as not the proper way to do to to live Jewish law halachically. That's how we look at it. They don't they don't sit there thinking to themselves that they're violating anything. This is their way. You have to you have to open. I'm not saying you have to accept it. But I'm saying you have to open your mind and realize that it exists out there. I sat with this guy for 10 years, and we, you know, mostly we discussed business. But sometimes, we get on, you know, on, on a um, conversation about um, about Jewish life and Jewish law, and you know, uh, you you you're, not, you're in my building, and Yochanan uh, and Dovi are, are in the office, and we got along great with him. We were great friends. I went to his son's wedding. He, you know what? I went to his son's wedding, and it was trife. And he ordered a kosher meal for me. I had an airline you, meal. I had an airline <laughs> meal at the wedding. Okay. Do you, But I so a, I, I appreciate
0: I appreciate the, the angle that you're coming at with this. So you're saying that they don't. A guy like Robert Kraft doesn't view himself as being any less than orthodox because he lives a conservative
1: or reform life. He sees himself no, as he sees himself as a, as a good Jew on the level of his Jewishness doesn't see himself
0: does – he, Does he think that orthodox Jewry is something to aspire to, that it's a higher
1: level? Not, uh, I, I, not necessarily. He might respect it at being more uh, committed to uh, a halakhic and biblical way of life that he could appreciate. You can, go to, you can go to a museum and see a beautiful painting that you admire. doesn't mean you're going to go home and paint the same painting. You know. You, you, you could admire it. You could respect it and you could admire it. He doesn't see any kind of, you know, let's use him as an example. We look at him that he's missing something in his life, okay, theoretically, mm-hmm. okay? okay. He, doesn't, he doesn't see it that way. He, on, on the, the, the Judaism that he knows, he's a good Jew. We call it a Tinek Shanishba. Like, mm-hmm. He has like, has like a child's comprehension of what it means to be a Yid, what it means to be a, a Jew in this world created by God. You know, so uh, he, ha- he has he respects us, and he respects the people that the orthodox people that he surround himself with. Um, I don't know how he's bringing up his children. His children are adults today. I don't know what's what with his family, but it's just is he doesn't see himself as doing anything wrong. I think that's what you're driving at. There's nothing wrong. He doesn't he doesn't? Yeah, you know, we see it as as wrong. I don't want to say bad because it's not bad. Uh, we see it as wrong but he doesn't see it that way you have to understand that you have to open up not, you, have, you don't have to accept it now. You have to open up your mind to realize that it exists that's the that's the that's the important thing very
0: interesting it's a different perspective speaking of denver there was unfortunately <laughs> after the nba uh finals was over there was 10 people injured in a mass well, shooting in denver following the nuggets win um, It says nine oh. people uh, ten, nine people were wounded in a mass shooting early Tuesday in Denver as fans were celebrating the Nuggets' first NBA title. A suspect was taken into custody.
1: Can you imagine how many would have been shot if they lost. By the way.
0: <laughs> oh, so yes. What was that
1: about? What were they shooting for? I and don't I sp- know. Uh, speaking of shooting, I sent you a thing about the shooting this morning. and in the, in, in the northern Shomron. I don't know if you saw that or not. I, I, texted, I Yes, that let's
0: bring this on. Four injured in Samaria shooting attack. Thir, uh, man, 30 years old, injured in a shooting attack in Samaria. Three others who were shot are lightly injured. IDF are searching for these shooters. An Israeli man, about 30 years old, was injured on Tuesday afternoon in a shooting attack near FS Junction in northern Samaria. The victim, sura- uh, the victim arrived independently at the Rehan Crossing, Mangidavira Dome, and IDF medics provided him with medical treatment, and evacuated him to Hilyoff Medical Center. According to the reports, three other Israelis' IDF soldiers suffered light injuries in the shooting and were treated by uh, Mada. The terrorists, who per- the terrorists who per- perpetrated the attack succeeded in escaping the scene and fired an IDF vehicle, injuring the three soldiers. Um, very troubling.
1: It just, you know, it, unfortunately, this is a consistent uh, type of thing. Um... You know, I don't think there's a, there's an answer. You know, back during the days when you were a little boy, uh, when Ariel Sharon was prime minister, there was the time when terrorism got out of hand, and he sent Israeli forces into every one of the Arab towns, okay, yeah. to 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 to, to uh, for security purposes and to crack down on terrorism. And you know what? George Bush was president in those days. So you you were probably about nine or ten years old. and George Bush warned Sharon, get your troops out of there. Because they were saying, you know, they're occupying – get get your troops out of Arab towns. Jews don't belong in Arab towns. And Bush – it was a big contentious uh, event between Sharon and, uh, and, and George uh, W. Uh, Bush in those days.
0: Yeah, well, it says here in the article – Uh, Whoever made the unfortunate decision to reopen the checkpoint at the entrance to Harmesh put our residents' lives at risk. They are Z-class citizens in their their own country. This neglect will not stop with us because the wave of terror is coming from the whole area of northern Samaria. We all pray for the healing of the wounded. The event is still in progress, but we will not let it continue. We demand answers from the government now. Stop giving us the runaround. Stop neglecting us. This This is the Samaria council leader. Right, Yassi um, Dagan,
1: Yassi Dagan, I think it is. Uh, but look, you know, that the, the leads us into this week's parasha, believe it or not. You know, Shlach, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu yeah. sent sent the Muragwim in. What did the Muragwim say? I don't want to get too deeply into it because we're running out of time. But the Muragwim said, you know, if if you come to a city and there's walls surrounding the city, Nahi, if there's walls surrounding the city, that means the people there are weak. If there's no walls, that means they're strong because weak people have to be surrounded by high fences and high brick walls. And a lot of the settlement communities in the Shomron for many, many years, because of this reason, they don't want to be surrounded by walls. They want to have faith in Hashem, that Hashem's going to protect them. I know the mayor uh, or the former mayor of Itamar, for example, I visited him on occasion. Um, I forget his first name. His last name is Goldsmith. He's an American. He's a New Yorker. Moved here to Israel, became a member of Tamar. It was their sheet of not to have a wall or a fence around the community. They got plenty of guns and plenty of security to protect themselves. They're not stupid, but the Dafka didn't want walls because it says in this week's parashah that a city that has walls means people are weak, and uh, and this this is a problem with the checkpoints. They take, Israel takes the checkpoints down because they want to impart to the Arab population, to the Palestinians, that they have that they can live free, like regular, uh, conventional people, without having to be stopped every mile or two to see who they are, to check their driver's license, to check whether their registration expired, whether they paid their tolls or their meters, or something like that. You know, like some people. So yeah. um, that's what we're dealing with. Hopefully, we can get more of a discussion into the miraglam and this week's passion towards the end of the week yes, because I think it's absolutely. a big, it's a big turning point in the history of Am Yisrael.
0: It is. It's very applicable as well to you know to us and how people you know can't be speaking bad about Eretz Yisrael. We we see that. Um, the last story I want to get to is an interesting one via, <laughs> I think this is Arich yeah, Archeva. A child named after a Jewish uncle who was buried as a Muslim. Uh, a simulated Jewish family comes full circle as a grandson of a Jewish woman who married a Bedouin is circumcised at Yad La'Achem ceremony. Abdul was born and raised in southern Israel's Bedouin community to a Jewish mother by the name of Rina and an Arab father. His young mother was subjected to serious ongoing violence to the point that she decided to escape, <laughs> leaving behind Abdul, 11, and his 10-year-old brother Musa. The Arab wasn't willing to let his wife go. After a few months, he had a young female relative contact Rina using a pretext to lure her to a nearby Rahat. The woman said she needed to pay Rena back several hundred shekels she'd borrowed from her years earlier. In desperate need of money, Rena jumped at the opportunity to travel to Rahat, the largest Bedouin town in the Negev. However, on her way from the bus station to the designated meeting place, she was run over by a car being driven at breakneck speed. The driver, not content with striking her once, made a U-turn ran over again before disappearing into the darkness as the incident occurred 15 years ago when security cameras in the part of the country were rare the police were helpless in solving the crime and the murderer was never caught meanwhile okay. abdul and musa who had been named david and moshe by their jewish mother were suffering from serious violence at the hands of their father and members of his extended family so i'm sure Yadla Achim here got involved Yadla Achim, who rescues women and children trapped mm-hmm. in our villages um the fact that the father belonged to a well-known crime family meant that he didn't value the lives of others. The fact that the boys were referred to as the sons of the Jews only made things worse. Uh, a long story short. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's a um, tragic, tragic, tragic story. Well, you know, the word, the, name, the Arab name Musa is Moshe. Okay. Yeah. And the well, Arab name... St-
0: a, a, a long story short that these boys... Um, he met a Chabad man that changed his life. The young Chabad man was, a, was, giving, was, was running a tefillin booth. And he offered yeah. David a chance to put on tefillin. And David had no idea what tefillin were, but he took him up on his offer. The two began talking. David shared him the story of his life. Uh, the, the Chabad man, who's not identified here, I don't think, said, oh, um, if your mother is Jewish, then you're Jewish. So that's when David contacted Yadla La'Achim. They took his mm-hmm. details. They met mm-hmm. with him, and um, they escaped? put him. They put him. They put him up in a clean, furnished apartment. They signed him a mentor. They met with him twice a week to teach him the basic concept of Judaism. They found him a job. Um, they even found him a shiduch. Uh, so this week there was an especially moving closing of the circle. David became a father, and at the bris he organized the Adalachim's help by a mile from Brit Br- Br- Yosef Yitzchak. He named his firstborn Moshe after his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has now a from Jewish son who had a bris.
1: Wow, quite a story. Like I said, Musa is a very common Arab name, it's Moshe. And Abdullah, by the way, another very common Arab name is Obadiah. It uh, The root is Ovadia so um, that became Abdullah and I'm sure you'll find all the other Arab names have their roots in Hebrew somewhere
0: amazing okay well that's our episode of the Daily yes. Thread today we discussed a lot of different stories we'd love to hear your feedback make sure to send us an email at the daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org and of course remember to sign up for the Daily Thread WhatsApp status hit the link in the description in the show notes and you'll have more of the Daily Thread all day long the news with dignity the news bias. never stops Yes, we will see you again in Mirtz tomorrow. Have a great day.